Wolf and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show here on this Thursday morning. Dallas Mavericks in town for a little Suns-Mavericks rivalry renewal. we got Sean Payton interviewing with the Cardinals today. Hello, what more do you need, Wolf? I'm loving it, man. Momentous day on a Thursday here. Of course, we all know the most productive day of the week. Well, I, I tend to agree with you, actually, this week. Uh, we also got this. This is from the Zach Lowe podcast, because the the one thing that feels almost certain is as far as the trade deadline for the Suns is a Jay Crowder trade has to happen. Anything else is like, okay, are you going to make a big deal? Are you seriously going to trade somebody from the core of this team? How big do you want it to get? Are you going to package some of these supplemental pieces that have kind of emerged this season with some picks, whatever? There's all these different ways you could go. But the one thing I think we all agree on is you got to trade Jay Crowder because you're paying him to not play basketball yeah, for right. him. Yes, that's going to happen, Luke. They should pay me to not play basketball for them. <laughs> that is the one thing we know. There's a <laughs> lot of uncertainty that is out there this Thursday based on our names. But the one thing we do know, they are going to move Jay Crowder. So, let's uh, let's get some insight on what exactly they might want for Jay Crowder. This is Zach Lowe from the Low Post Podcast. And I want to just, everybody just hear this. And then think how realistic it is or isn't. Someone told me that, uh, that it has some interest in Crowder that those, the Suns seem to want two of the following three things. A good young player, a first-round pick, and a rotation, a, almost a starter, Crowder-level player. Two of those three. And it's like, that's cool. Like That's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet. Because he hasn't. we're 50 games into the season. He hasn't played. And he's in the last year of his contract. Yeah, that's not going to happen. What? Yeah, that just seems... I mean, look, if you can do it, I want that too. Why stop at two of those three? Just get all three. I don't think you're getting two of those three things. Oh, my goodness. Let's just trade for Luca. You know, I... I oh, my goodness. That just seems so... Is that really what they want? Okay, yeah. I, listen, negotiation, this is what you're, This is where you start. Yeah, there's no doubt. This is where you're going to start. We want two of these three. So things. what was it again? It was a... You know, I'm going to play it just, again. Yeah, do it again. Someone told me that, uh, that it has some interest in Crowder that those, the Suns seem to want two of the following three things. <laughs> a good young player. Check. A first-round pick. Okay. And a rotation, a, almost a starter Crowder level player. Two of those three. And it's like that's cool. Like that's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet because he hasn't. We're fifty games into the season. He hasn't played, and he's in the last year of his contract. So let's just work this out logically, okay? <laughs> At the start of the season, Sold. the one thing I thought would be difficult as far as trading Jay Crowder is you were trading basically a rental. That's going to help a contender, right? You're, a no, rebuilding no. team's not like, hey, we got to have Jay Crowder. No. So when you're trading to a team like that, you want a rental or a piece that's going to help you. Most contenders don't want to give that up. They just want to give up picks. Yeah. So if this report is true, then this is the Suns saying, yeah, we want that that rotational piece back. I know it's going to be tough. 
We also want either a first-round pick or a really good young player. Yeah, but, he, you know, again, two of three. We don't need them all. No, that's true. We don't need them being, all. They're being I'm reasonable. Totally unreasonable, yeah. right so basically, I'm going to give you Jay Crowder. you got to be getting. You give me your Jay Crowder plus a first-round pick <laughs> or a young player that we could. There's just no way, a man. A good young player, he said. A good yeah, not like some trash right young there. player either that's 10th off your bench. When, yeah. when the trade deadline hits, the Suns will have 26 games left this season. If I were trading for Jay Crowder I, and I was going to give up that much, I would have wanted all 82 games, not 26. Yeah, and you know, when I when I heard this too, this cut this morning, I was thinking to myself, man, that smells an awful lot like the dust that is coming from L.A. and Rui Hachimura. <laughs> Does it not? It, it smells. You know, think about it. Here's a guy, again, he's been in the league for five years. He has been a starter. He also is a guy that has come off the bench. Um, he is a rotational guy right there. He was a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, as a matter of fact. You know, it's... Hachimura? Yeah, yeah, top 10. Yeah. So, you know, again, maybe his career has not gone that way, as we all know. But still, that that to me is one of the reasons why I, I'm still looking for a player of that caliber. And I think that is what the Suns are looking for and leaving it there. Let's just boil this down to what it really is. It's, it can't be two of those three. You're, it's got to be one of those three. You're trying to trade Jay Crowder. For Jay Crowder, right? Yes. That, I mean, you just want that player back that doesn't have whatever problem none of us knows what it is behind the scenes with your team or your coaching staff. You're just trying to trade him for Jay Crowder. Yeah. Which is why it's been so maddening for the first 50 games of the season that you just have Jay Crowder and you could just be playing him. Do you think this is the reason why they didn't get Hachimura? You <laughs> think this is the reason well, why? Well, because they're bent on the two of three? That, yeah, that trade was ended up being Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks, right? Yes. The Suns basically wanted all of that for yes. Jay Crowder, according to Zach Lowe. <laughs> yes, we'll take Rui Hachimura and Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks or a first-round pick. Uh, here's more from Zach Lowe on the Low Post podcast. Well, should they trade Caleb Martin? For Jay Crowder? Caleb Martin's been pretty no. good. He's younger than Jay Crowder. He's on a good no. contract. Like, I think Jay Crowder's, to, to the average NBA fan, Jay Crowder's a, a better player, a bigger name, and maybe he is a better player, certainly more rugged and playoff proven. Is that worth my while, though? The Heat are, are going to try to do something for sure. I, I don't know if that ends up being it, but like that's not a no-brainer to me. I might not even do that for Miami. I think they're going to have a hard time getting anything substantial for him at this point. If you had done it at the start of the year, and I understand maybe the trades weren't there, the ownership stuff was a lot murkier then because Matt Ishbia's name wasn't even coming up. But I think the reality is you're, you're trying to get a guy that's going to help you in the playoffs this year or a guy that you're going to be able to, to you know help be part of yeah. the puzzle going forward. I don't know the team's going to give you that for Jay Crowder for 26 games plus playoffs. Yeah, I just honestly, when I look at it again, the two of the three is killing me here. And I understand this is what you do. You go in with your guns blazing. And maybe that's where the Suns are at right now. But I, I have this feeling, and I've said this for a while now, but I do believe James Jones, the reason why Jay Crowder has not moved yet is the fact that James Jones has an offer on the table that he likes, has an offer on the table. He wants to see if he can actually get a better deal. That makes sense going forward. One of the reasons why you're dragging your feet, and here comes a trade deadline, which is exactly why Jay Crowder was tweeting out emojis about time and clocks. Right, and he's opening up the clock store. It's just because, again, he knows it's it's something is going to happen 
We just don't know when. I hope you're right. I hope they already have a deal in place. And then at that point, it does make sense to swing for the fences. When you do that, think about it. If you were James Jones right now, you had a deal on the table. Yeah, then I would ask for something crazy. That you didn't didn't hate. You had a deal on the table that you thought, okay, this is a standing offer right now, but could could I possibly get a little bit more? Could I? Well, what what creates that? You need that sledgehammer that creates it. You need that trade deadline. Well, here's Bobby Marks also on the uh, the Low Post podcast. He hasn't played, right? I think if he would have been like, you know, when P.J. Tucker was traded from Houston to Milwaukee, he was on the court, right? He played, right? Like, so I think there would be more interest if he if he was out there um, competing and seeing where guy, you know, like maybe it, it becomes maybe the two out of those three things on that Phoenix wish list gets checked off here. But I just think, you know, his shooting numbers started to take a little bit of a dive. What's what type of role is he willing to accept? Is he willing to come off your bench for you? You know, like that's for me, that's where I'm like, you know, Hey, I'll give you, you know, an expiring and maybe a, a guy that's got another year in a second. Like that, that's, you know, that's probably more of the, the, the price tag. That's the other part of this mystery, Wolf. If you were going to try and trade him, why didn't you go to him before the start of the season? And maybe they did. But why, why not work something out of, look, Jay, you want out and we want you out. But the best way for that to happen is for you to go out there and play well. We see this all the time in every sport. You're going to trade this guy. He wants out. Okay, yeah. it, maybe it's not a secret, but let's show what you can do to move to move you. Because now, I mean, especially with the last month and a half where everybody was hurt, he probably would have had really good numbers. You know what is so mesmerizing to me as well? You listen to these guys talking about Jay Crowder and talking about his abilities and what he could still do and what he couldn't do. And yet nobody's asking the question, what happened? What did he do that made the Suns do what they're doing? How could that possibly be helping the Phoenix Suns in their cause? I, I don't think it is. I'm sure behind the scenes people are asking that. Like, if I'm going to trade for this guy, does he refuse to come off the bench? It's amazing I'm not trading right for him. that it has not come out. It has not. That's what's stunning to it, me. It feels like it will once he gets traded. It feels, And maybe it'll come out in emoji form, but it feels like Jay wants to uh, to talk. All right, we are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57 of Bud Light Fandle and Arizona Sports. We want you to be there in person, so text SUPER to 620-620 to register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus you'll win tickets to the following events, the Fandle Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Alright, when we come back, what kind of leader would Dan Quinn be if he was hired as the Cardinals' next head coach? You'll hear what Dan Quinn had to say about that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals' head coaching search. Update. 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 We know Sean Payton is having that meeting with the Cardinals today. We know they have talked to Dan Quinn twice now. Well, if I made this point earlier in the week, but I will, I guess, reiterate it here for a starting point to this conversation. Every single one of these coaching candidates that we hear of for the Cardinals, hey, it's Sean Payton. Okay, what's your first thought? For me, it's Kyler Murray. Okay, well, Frank Reich, oh, Kyler Murray. Vance Joseph, well, he knows Kyler Murray. Brian Flores, could he get along with Kyler Murray? 
For me, with Dan Quinn, from day one, it's always been Dan Quinn. Oh, what could he do with Isaiah Simmons? <laughs> That's and that Kyler Murray's obviously part of the interview process. But my yeah. first thought is, what could he do with Isaiah Simmons on defense? You don't think that with every defensive coordinator they've talked about, maybe outside of Vance Joseph, because we saw what he did with I, Isaiah Simmons. I think it, but it's not my first thought. Okay, like Brian Flores. I think everybody's first thought with Brian Flores is Kyler's not going to like that, or how are those two going to get along? Yeah, that's my first thought with any coach that you're bringing in here, offensive or defensive. For me, it's all about Kyler Murray. Can you fix Kyler Murray? Yeah, and that's the most important thing. But with Dan Quinn, it's like, man, look what he did with Micah Parsons the last couple of years. He was on the uh, season podcast with Peter Schrager, Dan Quinn was, earlier this week. And so uh, they talked about a few different things. And I'm going to start with the Micah Parsons clip. He's so versatile, Peter. And that's what makes um, him a unique player because he can be at right end, left end, line up, play backer. And so the ability to move around where just there's not a lot of people that can do that. And um, some of the very best of the best have been so exceptional at just, you know, the one thing that they do. And, um, you know, when you look at Hall of Fames or, you know, guys like Jason Taylor, who was just so damn exceptional right in and ripping it every time and was so successful doing that at that spot where Micah, you know, is so different. He's coming from backer. He's playing D end. And I think that is his superpower, bro. It's the speed that he can beat you to the punch. But not everybody can be in two spots to take a pass rusher and move him back to linebacker or move a linebacker and move him down to D end. That's the superpower for him. Look, nobody's saying Isaiah Simmons is ever going to be anything close to Micah Parsons because Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. But doesn't that description, if, if I had played that clip and told you this is Dan Quinn talking about Isaiah Simmons, you would have believed it, yeah. right? It's, yes. not, it's not the same production, but just his description of what he can do is very similar. No, you're right about that. Isaiah Simmons has all the talent in the world. He's very, very similar from a talent perspective to... Um, to all the the best defensive guys that have ever played. He really is, when you think about it. He's got so much ability, so much talent. But at the same time, I like the fact that he was talking about Micah Parsons in terms of being a superpower, yeah. as a superhero would be, because that's how rare he is. You need to understand, Basinonians, that's how rare it is that you could take a guy in the National Football League and move him around on the defensive side of the ball all over the field. That's the exception, the vast exception to what many times is the rule. The Hall of Famers. You heard him mention Jason Taylor right there. The Hall of Fame. You heard him mention that. It's a rarity. That you're ever going to move a guy and he's going to play multiple positions and actually succeed. It's a superpower is what it is. That's the reason why, again, it fills me with the idea, I'm going to take Isaiah Simmons. I'm going to sit him at the weak side inside linebacker and in that room, the linebacker room, and say, this is where you're going to sink or swim. This is your new home. This basically. is it. Just focus on one. Focus on that. One home, not five homes. Do it. And then practice nine on seven in practice where you're you're running a lot of inside stuff, a lot of inside zone power schemes. You're doing it. The eyes of Isaiah Simmons are going to be all over the place. That's where you train those eyes. Nine on seven in practice with pads on. I get that everybody wants Sean Payton. I'm not saying that that's not the best option, but I, I, I feel pretty confident if they hire Dan Quinn, 
Isaiah Simmons is going to take a, a big step forward, and this defense is going to be pretty nasty within like a year. Now, again, maybe maybe Sean Payton's still a better option overall. Maybe Brian Flores is, but it just there has been so much uncertainty lately. If you told me today, hey, Dan Quinn's getting hired. Don't you feel pretty confident Isaiah Simmons is going to get a lot better mm-hmm. and this defense is going to be pretty nasty with the young talent they have? Yes, but again, just go back to how, how important. Yes, I do believe that, but it's so important that somebody learns one position. That somebody... You've been saying that for a year I, I know. I know. It, it, it frustrates me. It, it really does. It frustrates me, especially for Isaiah Simmons where uh, I, I don't know if he's been given that opportunity to truly sink or swim at one position and saying, no, this is going to be your position going forward. I love the fact that Dan Quinn called it a superpower because it's that rare. A superhero right out of Marvel. It's that rare to do it in the National Football League. That's why defensive coordinators don't. That's why you don't see a lot of Micah Parsons, do you? You don't see a lot see of these any. guys. Uh, here, let me play some more of this Dan Quinton audio talking uh, about leadership and what that means to him. I'd say it's uh, really making the tough decisions, you know, and uh, when those come up, being really strong and convicted onto those because when you're a leader, not all of them are going to be popular, you know, and you're going to have to make some tough ones that are going to be there. But I think for me, some people talk about culture a lot. You've heard that thing a lot. And I think culture and environment are different things. Like I'm upbeat. So you talked about the music and the energy and the kind Competition, but like the thing about the culture there in Seattle and Atlanta was competition breeds that. So mm. the music was good, we were loose, but like at the end of the day, you better compete and do it every single day. And so when that is things that you live by, Peter, I think that's where culture and your leadership can show through really being the example every day. And guys who are out in front who lead, um, especially as a head coach or a general manager, uh, you better embrace that being out in front. And making the tough decisions when you have to to say this is how we're going to go get it on and do it and here's why and then uh, you let it rip that is the middle of the road right there it is and that's where i see dan quinn that that is really interesting that's where i see him when it comes to all this culture and this old school and the physicality of the game i see it more middle of the road with dan quinn where cliff kingsbury was all the way over here on the left you have brian flores all the way over here on the right yeah, those are the two, two extremes you right yeah. two extremes and then dan quinn right in the middle what does that mean basinonians is, is a more moderate approach to blending the old and the new. <laughs> the old school tradition and mentality with the new. And then do it schematically as well. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think maybe this gives him a leg up. On everyone else, well, because just, of his moderation, it depends. I mean, if you're Michael Bidwell, I don't know that Monty Austin Fort is going to look at this team from last year and be like, "Oh, we got to really overcorrect," because he wasn't here, he didn't experience it. But does Michael Bidwell look at this? And I think a lot of fans would look at it this way too and be like, "We got to go the complete opposite of what we were doing here last year." And then that would be Brian Flores. To your point, Dan Quinn is probably a little more down the middle, but he's still. Down the middle is still way in that direction from where you were last year. And, and I don't know. I'm, this isn't even so much. Like, I'm not trying to talk people into Dan Quinn. I'm more yeah. just sort of talking through this myself. Because, again, when his name first came up, I was like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's good. But he yeah. had his shot, maybe. Right. And what's the upside? Well, I mean, you think about it. His defense was really good in Seattle when they were going to Super Bowls. 
his he got Atlanta to a Super Bowl. And his defense at Dallas this year is really good. Like his track record and the fact that those guys on those teams credit him with a lot of it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, he was there, but look at all the talent. Like they had talent, but those guys credit Dan Quinn. Those actual individuals do. Uh, he's got a pretty good track record, which is the biggest thing for me in this coaching, coaching search for the Cardinals. I agree. You have to have a good track record already at the NFL level, and, and he does. Uh, all right, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what does Kevin Ray think the Suns need to do to beat the Mavericks and win their fifth straight game tonight? We'll ask the Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cash it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. It is definitely game day. And Kevin Ray is joining us for game day with K Ray. Of course, the Dallas Mavericks in town. That means Luca. K Ray, what's going on, man? What's up, fellas? Uh, not a whole lot, okay? You know, just, <laughs> just a slow Sean, he, town, yeah. actually <laughs> getting on. interviewed, and of course, the Suns <laughs> are playing the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Not a whole lot. All right, Kay. Let's uh, let's start with. Hey, you know what? I don't even want to start with Luca. Enough of him. We've talked about him. Let's start with the fact that this team is on a four-game winning streak, and some of these have been very different. I would say the Charlotte game in particular was the first time they've played you know, a lesser team. Brooklyn, Indiana, Memphis, all pretty good teams this year. But what did they show you by going out there and just handling Charlotte by 31? Yeah, well, it was you know it was interesting because they they came out and just delivered you know an early haymaker. But I think if if fans have learned nothing from this NBA season in particular, it's like there's no thirty point first half lead that is safe. (laughs) And and the the Hornets, uh, despite also being shorthanded, proved that on a twenty one to two run and all of a sudden you look up, you're like, wait a minute, this game was well in hand. Um but I thought what they demonstrated was the ability to go, okay you know, let's get things corrected here. Uh, they did. They they closed the half strong and then opened up the third uh, the way that they should and could against, um, you know, a beaten up team that was closing out a road trip. And so that's what I love. And, and then the fact that they could just continue to build on it. And, you know, I, I uh, EJ and I had said it the first of the fourth quarter, it's like you are hoping that Monty does not have to bring Chris back into the game, you know, because he had played 38 plus minutes against Memphis on Sunday. Um, and then Monty kind of admitted like, eh, probably played him a few more minutes than I wanted to. But, you know, there's just some wins that you, you really need and want to secure. So that's what I loved is, the bench guys came in, uh, played well, handled their business, and so it made for a pretty light, uh, light night work for you know for all the starters. So four wins in a row right now. Okay, would you say that um, some of what you just said is one of the reasons why they're they've won four in a row? What are the common denominators of this? 
Well, I, I think, you know, you start with two common denominators, and uh, there's that dude who's a 12-time All-Star, Chris Paul, getting back. Yeah. So that that's one. And then one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA uh, coming back in, in Cam Johnson. And talk about, you know, efficiency. I mean, Cam was like, it was almost like he had had a bet against himself. It was like, how quickly can I score 20-plus points and be done for the night? Okay, I think I'm going to do it in about 18. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Kevin Ray. It is game day with K-Ray Suns taking on the Mavericks tonight. K, it sounds like DA is probable, and I would take that as pretty encouraging news on that front. Yeah, very encouraging. Again, you know, you, you you're getting another piece back. It'll be, I'll be very curious to see uh, how how much and how far he is able to go tonight. Uh, sound like he was dealing with a pretty nasty uh, upper respiratory bug. Uh, he kind of joked at uh, at shoot around. He's like, yeah, I got it from my little man. You know, he he's learning. He's learning quickly as a parent. Uh, you know, you you love your kids, but they are two legged pizza dishes so whatever they get you're gonna get and so you know da dealing with an upper respiratory uh bout of something but he's back i'm sure his wind is going to be uh, affected and impacted a little bit tonight but just having another uh, you know big body in there um a rangy defender and you know just a, a guy that can help you offensively as well okay on that note right there in regard to deandre ayton would it shock you to know that the suns are 26 and 4 without DA in the lineup over the last two years, which is a winning percentage of 866. Does that surprise you as I say that? Um, yes and no. I, you know, I, I, I say... I say yes, just because, you know, when you consider a guy who, you know, pretty much averages a, a double-double, but, you know, it's it's not... It's not like you know a a Shaq led Laker uh, offense. You know they, they they don't play inside out the way you know the the big man game used to be. And and much of Da's you know productivity comes in that little you know six to twelve foot range. And this when this team is whole, um, they are one of the best, if not the best, you know mid range shooting team in the league. So it, it doesn't surprise me. And and because when you throw in the bigs as backups or in the case of, you know, Bismack Biombo starting in place of an injured DeAndre Ayton, you know, Busy knows exactly what his role is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, put a body on people, block shots, uh, but, you know, create enough space inside and move the ball. Um, so, you know, it's one of those where I think I'm sure people will make a huge deal out of it. But that being said, I think the Suns would would happily take a, a healthy and available DeAndre Aiden any time. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports. All right, Kay, we at least have to mention the Dallas Mavericks. Now, they've only actually met these two teams twice this season. It feels like they've played every week there for a while. We all know what happened in the playoffs last year, but prior to that, the Suns owned. Like, I mean, they were winning every, they were winning 100% of the games against Dallas. This year, you have the opener where Dallas was just running the Suns off the floor in the first half, and then the Suns came all the way back to win it at the end. And then you have that second meeting back on December 5th where Dallas won by 19, and I'm not even sure it was that close. What is the deal with the Dallas Mavericks, who are are a good team, but they're not like amazing by any means? Why do they give the Suns such a hard time all of a sudden? 
Yeah, I, I think part of it um, starts with the confidence that that they you know gained from the playoff series. Uh, and you know, Wolf, you know this from from your playing day. They're just certain teams where you kind of feel like even if you're in a shooting slump, you're like, oh, okay, we're yeah. facing these guys, and it just it just kind of like resets your whole approach and mentality. But that being said, uh, this this Mavs team is interesting. Uh, you know, everybody is looking on with a very watchful eye as to what they will attempt to do come trade deadline. Um, they're missing a couple of guys right now. Christian Wood is out. Maxi Kleba is also out. And both of those guys have been integral pieces, especially Christian Wood. I think he's, he's fit in better than anybody could have imagined. But um, they are they are playing some really helter-skelter basketball. You know, they ended up losing to the Wizards last night, despite, you know, Luka flirting with another triple-double, had 41 points, 16, uh, 15 rebounds, and, and six assists. But um, it, it's hard to know exactly how and why it is they they give the Suns so many fits, but it, it starts and really ends with Luka. And I'll be anxious to see if the Suns do anything different against him uh, defensively tonight. But the key is to make him work defensively and, you know, move the rock around and, and make, you know, move that Dallas defense from side to side. So the trade deadline is February 9th, of course, and Matt Ishby is going to be introduced on February. Who? <laughs> Matty Ish? We're breaking news to Yeah, Matty Ish. He's going to be introduced on February 8th. Now, do you read into that at all, Gay? Do you do you see anything nefarious in that at all? Do you think, do you think there might be some other type of announcement? I'm just asking you, Gay. Asking for a friend? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, look. The, you know, I view it as a couple of ways. I mean, we, we, we saw this, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago when that other story came out. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that, uh, and I can't say with any certainty, because uh, I have no knowledge right. on, you know, what, what the timing of the approval would have been. But look, if, if I'm in his shoes and I've just dropped $4 billion <laughs> and, and my team is in need of help, I, I guarantee you, I'd be standing outside the, uh, you know, the offices there in New York and say, uh, yo, Adam, you got a minute? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, seems because reasonable. you know there's there's a lot at stake, both short term and, and long term. Um, I just like it because not only does it coincide with the trade deadline, but I don't know. There's there's apparently a big game going on that weekend as as well. So uh, I mean, just think about the number of me- additional media members who are going to be in town. So yeah. it it will put the Suns in a in a even bigger spotlight. You know, had they elected to call that press conference, you know, five six days earlier. So I'm not saying it was uh, by design, but uh, it sure looks like it was by design. <laughs> There are no coincidences in professional sports. Uh, K. Ray, thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, K. You got it, boys. Take care. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57, and Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. So text SUPER to 
620-620 to register. And then listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you will win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. All right, there's a school of thought with the Cardinals that's like, you're going to rebuild? Go ahead and trade DeAndre Hopkins. Well, what is DeAndre Hopkins' trade value? One pretty prominent football writer weighed in. We'll get you his thoughts next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, it makes sense, Wolf, if you're going into a rebuild. That, for all intents and purposes, is what the Cardinals are doing, at least at the start of next season. That you would at least look at the possibility of trading DeAndre Hopkins, right? Monty Austin Ford and D-Hop were supposed to meet this week. I'm assuming they have. Yeah. Uh, the thought was, coming out of the season, yeah, look, you'd love to keep this guy. But if you're going to try to stockpile picks or you know young players on less expensive deals, your best trade chip probably is DeAndre Hopkins, right? I mean, yes. I think you can get whatever you once for him within in terms of yeah, picks. Right. I, I don't know about that, Luke. I really don't. When you're talking about a 30-year-old wide receiver right now, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to get a first-round pick well, for DeAndre Hopkins. It's funny you say that because Albert Breer uh, feels the same way. And he put together, uh, it wasn't just a story on DeAndre Hopkins, it was more of a, sort of a mailbag for Sports Illustrated. But the first question was, what is DeAndre Hopkins' realistic trade value? Because you're starting to see more and more stories pop up. ESPN had one predicting where he would go, and uh, what they had the Patriots and the Ravens as their picks. I think the odds in Vegas are the Chiefs, the Packers, Patriots, Ravens, Giants. I think those are the top five. Okay, uh, We can get into the whole, does that really fit with Bill Belichick in just a second. But Albert Breer's story went through a few things you have to consider. He says, as good as DeAndre Hopkins has been over the last 10 seasons, uh, some of these things may conspire to drive down his trade value. Okay, One of them he's heard a lot. Which was never the case until the last two years, but he has he's played in nineteen of thirty four games the last two seasons. Yeah, it's, okay. it's fifteen games the yeah. last three years, right? Yes. Well, I mean, if you count the suspension, I think it's yeah. What is that? I think it's fifteen over the last two years. Okay. Yes. Uh, and he had only missed two over the first eight years of his career. Okay. No, I, that that much I do know. Yes. Okay. So you're saying it's fifteen over the last two. He missed eight this year and seven last year. Yeah, he's okay. missed 15 over the there last year. And then prior to that, the first eight years of his career. So he has missed 17 games in his career, which is 10 years. And yes. 15 of them have been the last two years. So you have that. You have the fact that uh, Albert Breer points out he'll be 31 when next season starts. And he says right in there, that doesn't have to be the end of the line for an elite NFL receiver. No. But there are guys that, that start to trail off. He says that's what A.J. Green's age was when he first got to Arizona. Uh, he talks about the 19.4 million dollars in cash he is due next year in the 14.92 million in 2024 but he also says this wolf he says the injury issue has also limited hopkins severely when it comes to his ability to practice during the week if you have a strong veteran roster that has already won you can manage that but if you're younger or you haven't won yet it's harder to have one of your best players missing during long stretches of practice weeks both from a functional and a cultural standpoint yes 
Functional and cultural right there. Functional, of course, because you're not out there repping it. You're not repping it. Practice matters. It does. And you're not out there physically repping it with your quarterback. And the tempo in which you practice, in particular, on a Wednesday and a Thursday, that tempo ought to be brisk. It ought to be hard. It ought to be good. An upbeat, brisk type tempo in practice. That's that's what you would look for. And, um, of course, that was not the case last year. And under the Cliff Kingsbury era, for the most part, um, they didn't practice super hard. And a lot of that, I, all, I wondered if it, a lot of that was tied to DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that he wouldn't practice every practice during the week and wouldn't practice hard, so to speak, in regard to going out there and putting the pads on and trying to get timing down. That that has always been his reputation. He says it always has been the best way to prepare himself for a game. I remember That's that just was, a fact. That was the quote knock on him, the only one that, that they had in Houston when he was coming to Arizona. Remember? They're like, well, yeah. good luck. This guy doesn't practice. Look, I think Hopkins is one of the, he's on the very short list of the most talented players I've ever seen in a Cardinals uniform. And if that works for him, that works for him. But I think there is some validity to the idea of, especially for a new coach or, or a coach that is trying to, to get everybody on board, it's like, okay, we're going to practice hard Wednesdays. We're going to practice hard Thursdays. Well, well, not him, though. He doesn't have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe, I, I, that can't happen. It, no, it can't. And, and so how does this impact the Cardinals now? Well, the last line from Albert Breer's piece says, uh, if you add all that up, I think it's going to be hard for Austin Ford to get great value for Hopkins, maybe even to the point where keeping him is a better idea than dealing him. As it stands right now, if I had to ballpark it, I'd say a day-two pick would be what Arizona would get in return in a trade, which I know I can hear the frustration in, in, in Cardinals fans because they just gave up a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown has upside, but DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers ever. He's a better receiver than Hollywood Brown. So you're going to give up a, a first for Hollywood, and you're going to get a second for DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> like, just in a vacuum, that's not ideal. Yeah, but once again, if you're coming in and you're trying to establish a new culture, you cannot have that. You cannot have a player say, I'm not going to practice on this day. You, you, you can't. You have no choice, as far as I'm concerned. If you're trying to come in and say, this is the way we're going to do things going forward, you can't make exceptions. And I, I think we all understand why that is. And that's that's not good for the Arizona Cardinals because it puts them... It puts them behind the eight balls, so to speak. And other GMs know that. It's well, not good for them. Yeah, because... And that's one of the reasons why you're not going to get a number one. The first time I read this story, it was like, okay... You read that line about practicing and how that's going to impact certain teams. It makes a ton of sense. I don't think it's any. It's not like groundbreaking logic, but it sometimes it just helps to hear it again. That starts to limit the number of teams that are going to be willing to trade for him. If they, if you got a new coach somewhere else, and they're like, "Yeah, we would love DeAndre Hopkins," but we're trying to build a culture here sure. in Carolina or Indianapolis or wherever you want to pick. I mean, can you really? This this goes to you know the conversation we have almost had a couple times this week. Can you really see Bill Belichick? trading anything of value for DeAndre Hopkins. I know he likes him and he likes likes his talent, totally. but then letting him not practice? Totally. totally. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I laugh when I think of it. That's a pretty straightforward I answer. I laugh when I think of Bill Belichick right there saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to go ahead, but we're going to we're going to acquire you, DeAndre Hopkins. We're going to we're going to bring you in and you're not going to practice. That's fine with me. I've got no problem with that. I think you all understand why." I, 
no. That cracks me. You want to laugh harder? I, I honestly, I have to laugh. Well, I can add to it. I mean, you know Bill O'Brien's their offensive coordinator, yeah. so you're going to reunite those two, too? I don't understand why the Patriots are even in this conversation. That's right, Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick. I don't see that happening. I know that he loves D-Hop, but he loves him on game day. But building a program, building an organization in the game of football, Basinonians, is not just about game day. It isn't. It, it is about Monday. It is about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You get my point. It is about preparation. It is about how you do things and who does them. There aren't any exceptions. I would be absolutely stunned if the Patriots were, were trying to acquire D-Hop unless they actually knew Hop was going to practice. He was going to agree to practice. If they knew that and they're trying to acquire him, I get it. Well, and, and obviously teams are still going to line up for him, but it's just a matter of what you can get for him. If teams, if you're, if you're sending the message to the rest of the league, yeah, look, we got DeAndre Hopkins, but we need a second round pick, and we're trying to do this and that, or give us a second round pick and maybe a young player at some other position or whatever. Then, yeah, I mean, there are teams. Certainly, Kansas City. Can you imagine DeAndre Hopkins with Patrick Mahomes? That is a team that has won. That is a team that could probably get away with it. They already have their culture. Place. Hey, we're trading for DeAndre Hopkins. He's probably not going to practice as much, but he's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, if the Chiefs don't win this weekend, and as good as they have been for five years now, and as great as Patrick Mahomes is, and they only have one Super Bowl to show for all of this. Yeah, I could absolutely see them calling Money Austin Fort and being like, uh, we'll take DeAndre Hopkins. We'll give you our first round pick. It's going to be the 29th pick in the draft or something. Yeah. But it just it does limit your options a little bit. Man, I could see Kevin O'Connell going for that. The Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell. He, he's a guy. Hopkins and Justin Jefferson. Who have you been just saying? That almost shouldn't be allowed. Kevin O'Connell right now uh, does not practice very hard. That is one of the things that the, the locals up there for the Minnesota Vikings, some of their analysts as well, they were all bent out of shape as to how Kevin O'Connell was going about training camp this past season and how they were practicing the Minnesota Vikings. Everyone was like, there's no way they're going to be able to go out there and win games on a regular basis the way they're practicing. And that's exactly what they did. (laughs) They went out. So maybe Kevin O'Connell would be open to that. And the Minnesota Vikings, well... D-Hop, Justin Jefferson, here we go. Yeah, that would be pretty absurd. Um... As you're saying that, though, I, I can't help but think like, okay, that was the Cardinals' approach to camp this year. How do you how how different do you think it'll be going into next season? New coach, obviously, what they did last training camp didn't work because everybody got hurt anyway. Yeah, and Kyler Murray's not an option for the preseason anyway. Almost certainly, he probably won't be there at the start of the year, so you don't have to worry about the yeah, we want to play our guys, but they're looking, and Kyler won't go out there for a preseason game. So how can we tell these guys to do it now that? little wrinkles kind of out of it for for one off season physicality is going to skyrocket i would imagine in training camp they might even go oklahoma no no of course not strike that they lose your mind what would you do oklahoma oh no (laughs) (laughs) that answers my question are you serious (laughs) all right coming up next we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with wolf and down your lunch it's wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader today is the first day of real hitting Full pads, full contact. The day's highlight is the Oklahoma drill. Football at its most fundamental.